I'm Kate Daniels. We are deeply affected by the disease of violence. And to get perspective on the origins of such acts and behaviors, we have Dr. Catherine Athens joining us once again for part two of an important conversation. Dr. Catherine Athens, I'm so glad that we've been able to arrange having this follow-up conversation from the one we had last week to discuss our youth parenting, the power of our thoughts and emotions, and fundamentally to consider our kids, having them, nurturing them. So thank you for taking time to be with us once again to share insights and help us to understand and to grow. I think it's a wonderful, timely conversation given the Surgeon General's warning about that. He basically said it's an emergency. The children are having terrible mental illness problems and people are not doing anything about it. So... I don't know what to say about that, except who's going to do something about it, (laughs) you know? And part of it is acknowledging that, you know, having the sense that we are in this crisis state. So acknowledging that, and even here in Washington, the governor came out with a new budget, acknowledging that we are needing to focus more dollars on Uh, the mental and emotional health of our children. So I think we have actually taken a step, a positive step forward in doing something constructive. At least my fingers are crossed about that. Well, I think your governor is wonderful. Our governor, on the other hand, wants to close every group home in the state of California. We used to have the best social services in the world, and we had so many for children and teens. We had so many places they could go, they could stay, they could go and get therapy and get school credits. And little by little, the various governors of our state have closed them because of budget concerns. Which, (laughs) doesn't that just make the brain want to explode? It's a budget concern, not realizing if we don't deal with this, you know, everything is just going to really erupt. So the thinking is just really irrational. It's irrational. It's short-sighted. It's actually unconscionable. But he's announced that he's going to open 112 parks all over the state. Well, who's going to be able to go to those parks? Nobody. And he refuses. I'm writing him a letter. He refuses to understand the seriousness of what he's doing and his inability to have compassion for children. And that's something, writing a letter, making our beliefs, our ideas known is an important step that each of us should know we have the power to take and to take action on it. It's true. I'm helping Every year at Christmas, I give this home for girls, Rebecca Home. I give little cosmetic gift bags, plus, you know, toothpaste and so forth. And this year, they said the governor is forcing them to not have any residential girls at all and putting those residential students back into the situation that harmed them. They don't want to be bothered, or they're putting them in very old 
small hotel rooms. And perhaps without having all the support treatments that they're needing. Exactly, exactly. So I told them I would work with them. I told them to talk to their assembly person and their state senator and write letters that I would write the governor a letter that I would teach them about political action. And luckily, I'm talking to you on your show. And then there's another woman with whom I'm speaking next week who has direct access to Governor Newsom. And it's just absolutely unconscionable to me. I've worked in group homes. I've worked at the juvenile hall. I've worked at the ranch. I've worked at California Youth Authority. And if we have things in place right away where we can evaluate and say, this kid needs some extra counseling, extra help, and get them in right away, it will be a shorter length of treatment. And these children do well. They actually graduate from high school. And they go on to at least complete community college, which if they don't get help, they go on the streets, become dope addicts and criminals, and then end up costing the public, especially in California, it's $125,000 a year to house a prisoner. And that's where it just is mind-boggling that we know those costs out there. Why not, instead of expending that, use those costs now to a lesser degree per individual and do something positive, constructive, and healthy? Well, it's true. And if people don't care about children, maybe they just care about their wallet. This is much better for the wallet in the long run Mm -hmm. as well. Right. And I tell people, you know, no matter what you think, If you're only concerned about money, this is a money-saving way to keep our state healthy and clean and safe. You know, in San Francisco, they passed a law, and their district attorney is not enforcing. You can steal up to $954 and cannot be prosecuted for the theft. So... All of those thefts that have been going on can't be touched by the police or anybody else. And store owners have said, let those people steal because whatever. So we have all these people who are uneducated, who are mentally ill, who are now given permission to steal, who are dangerous, who now have knives. Some of them have guns. And they're out of their minds. Why? Because when they were little children, nobody bothered to say, wait a moment, there's something wrong here. Let's try to help this person. Right. So that brings us really around to the conversation when we last spoke, where we used the focus of the killing, the, the shooting of the students in a Michigan school, the anger, the rage, that kind of violence, and then kind of circling back to origins and thinking about, well, those parents, but just parenting in general and how we approach parenting and what our thoughts, our feelings, what we are doing. We know 
when being pregnant to eat healthily. But what about our thoughts and what about the things that we are holding within ourselves and the impact that that can have on the child that then rolls forward and to these situations that we have with mental health issues, emotional health issues. So I feel I can see that and you with the work that you do, I'm sure you're encountering that and what you know right that conception parents need to do. Well, exactly. And even before that, you know, really to ask yourself, why do you want to have a child? And then perhaps to go and take care of someone else's child, even if it's for an evening, and all the work that's required and all the attention. And unfortunately, in our society, we've become narcissistic. It's become a societal epidemic of narcissism and psychopathology where we really don't care. We care about the appearance. And then a child is conceived and neither parent wants them and they send hatred to this little developing thing and it doesn't develop properly. The neurological system doesn't develop properly. And I think last time I was on, I talked about the research I came upon when I was doing my dissertation, where people, um, these two gentlemen, two researchers, started looking at trauma in the womb and what happens to the neurological system of the fetus when the parents don't want the baby. And this brings up a huge political issue about all these people who think, oh, you've got to keep the baby, even if you don't want to, where the baby is then injured and harmed. And then these gentlemen had group therapy with the mom and dad to get them to change their opinion. When the mom and dad started to want the baby, the baby's neurological system started to grow in a much more normal way. We as humans are so complicated and so sensitive, and we don't treat ourselves as that at all. We're so fickle and act like none of these things matter when they all matter. We don't take ourselves as the miracles that we are. And it begins with that kind of abuse really fits the scenario of how we allow these thoughts, such negative thoughts and and violent thoughts even to penetrate our body and not realize all the harm it's doing to ourselves. And therefore, if pregnant, what it does to a growing child, to a growing fetus. Amazing. It's true. And we're not taught that. We need to be taught about how sensitive we are. We have the most developed neurological system of any animal on Earth and maybe of any brand of human on Earth ever was. And yet we do things to ourselves and others that are really horrible. And then to a new baby that's forming in the womb, we act like, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, so what? And, you know, it's, It's criminal. Yes. And you're right. We need more education around this, that I... I think this may fall on people's ears as just some 
really novel idea, but it's not. It's very concrete. It's very real. It's very real. It can be measured. It's been proven. These guys measured different neurological output. They were able, because our technology is so advanced, they're able to take pictures in the womb of brains. They've been able to show what happens, and we don't stop and think about what we're doing at all. And especially a mother who doesn't want her child, the baby knows immediately, and it is angry already. It is full of rage, you know? Yes, well, we can think about ourselves when we we can sense if someone doesn't want to be around us or really doesn't care about us as adults. So put that way back into this growing infant and what that does to that child, uh, that forming brain right from that those early moments of, of uh, development, I mean, it's, it's, it feels criminal to inflict that on an individual. Well, I agree. I think it is criminal because that's how we create criminals. Mm, yes. That's how we create them. And we don't want to take responsibility for creating a criminal. We go, oh, that, we don't know how that happened. Or uh, I have... I used to be the teenage expert here in the Silicon Valley years ago, and parents would be, bring their teenagers who were acting out, say, I don't know what happened to them. Oh, my God, you better fix them. You know, and then I say, okay, and I have a session with the parents, and they're really angry at their kids, and then I have a session with the kids. I say, what's going on? Well, you know, they're really nasty. They, t- they talk down to me. They put me down. They tell me I'm lazy. I'm not lazy. I don't know how to do stuff. They don't spend time with me. They'll spend time on their phone or they'll spend time in front of their computer. Uh, they don't play with me. All this stuff. And then when I work with the children, they it, it doesn't take much to resolve trauma in children because they don't have all those layers of trauma that we gather as adults and we can get through and the children do well and what I experienced was that as the children got well the adults got angry and the adults the parents started sabotaging the therapy my kid can't be well. My kid's sick. My kid is the reason why my life is miserable. And that's criminal. It's sad. It's pathetic. It's criminal. And, you know, we don't think about what sort of parent we're going to be before. Nobody these days, thank you God, has to be pregnant. We have birth control. And so nobody has to have a baby anymore. And so the choice to have a baby needs to be gone into with a lot more thought, a lot more study, a lot more understanding. I have a book on developmental psychology that I give to people who say they want to become new parents. 
And I say, you know, there are a lot of developmental stages where your child is probably going to be crabby and talk back to you. And how are you going to handle that? Because that's a normal state of development in children. And it can be handled well or it can be mishandled. And so then it's like, well, this is a lot. I didn't sign up to go to school. What are you saying? And the lack of attention to this is mind-boggling for me. And not realizing then what a privilege it is to have a baby, a young individual who you can nurture and help guide rather than, I'm not sure what some of the thinking is, or they just fall into being pregnant without any conscious thought about it. Well, that happens a lot. I know that there's a big question about abortion, but I have taken many of my female clients to the abortion clinic. They were old enough, but they didn't want anyone to know. And they didn't want an abortion. They weren't happy about it. But they sat down and we talked about what happened that they got pregnant unconsciously. And that can never happen again. But women were not happy to do that. Women were very sad. And it's not pleasant. And, you know, so the answer is to practice good birth control before all of this starts, to really practice, and I recommend that couples go into counseling before they decide to have a child, because their temperament is very important in raising a child. And I live in the Silicon Valley, and people are very impulse-driven, and want things immediately, and you can't be that way when you're raising a child. You have to have patience, and you have to not want your way. You have to realize that they have their own way in their own mind, and so many people are unwilling to do that. So I think education, Stanford Children's Health Council has wonderful classes on raising children, and I recommend couples go there and take classes before they ever think of having a baby. And you know what people say to me? How can you say that? How can you tell me that? You're insulting my intelligence. I said, well, were you born knowing how to do algebra? People aren't born knowing how to raise children. It's something we have to learn. Otherwise, we may raise them the same way we were raised, lose our temper, hit them. So many of my clients were beaten with a belt or rope. That's not the way you raise good, healthy children. And so I recommend not only therapy, but learning about how children develop, how the brain develops, what children can do at different ages. A two-year-old can't do what a four-year-old can do. And people don't understand that. And I have a number of people who are getting mad at their little babies for not being able to do certain things. And I said, well, you don't have wings, so you can't fly, so should I be mad at you? You know, it's so many ridiculous expectations of a little tiny being. And as you say, my goodness, 
what a blessing. What an amazing blessing to have a child in your life. In this area, some people think that, but I've had so many career people tell me, oh, if I knew it was so time-consuming, I never would have had a kid. I said, well, I told you it was. You didn't believe me. I said, but it's too late now. You have to learn how to be unselfish. And raising children is the work and art of an unselfish, unconditionally loving human being or human beings. And we're so concerned with how much do you make, where do you live, what kind of house do you live in, what kind of kitchen do you have. It's just phenomenal. It boggles my mind, you know. And even lying and cheating to get them into the best schools, showing that, oh, my son, my daughter goes to this college, but cheating to get there, you know, what does this kind of thinking down the line demonstrate to your kid? I don't believe that you can do it on your own, or just that whole idea of manipulation and deceit. Truly, Hmm? truly. And I have a client who had a young son about the age of my daughter, and she said, well, I've managed to get my son accommodation for, you know, having learning disabilities and blah, 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 blah. I said, does he? Well, not really. I said, no. She says, you should do that for your daughter. I said, my daughter is smart. I would never do that. I would never label her like that because when we label ourselves or others, they become the way we label them. And in terms of that, too, as you say that, and I'm kind of picturing it, Dr. Athens, labeling a person and depending on the emotion behind that label, like you are so stupid or so dumb, but said with, you know, real anger, how that imprints itself on a developing brain. Totally imprints itself. We do something called the EMDR, which is a way to get at unconscious trauma or TIR, which is another way. Some of these traumas are so scary for people because they had them at such a young age and they didn't have any defense mechanisms. You know, as we grow into adulthood, we develop defense mechanisms so we can cope with that kind of talk. But children have none. And if you're their main adult, the mother or father, they were going to believe you 100%. You are right, and they are wrong. And I've seen that happen so many times as we're working, and so many people would never make their mother or father wrong. They have to be wrong, and that's just the way it is. And so we find ourselves in who knows which part of these scenarios. What we want to convey is that seeking counseling really being thoughtful and conscious and purposeful about our life path is critically important. And also that if we find ourselves just really caught in something that feels like this horrible prison in our minds, seeking counseling, seeking therapy, seeking someone like yourself, we can undo some of that and live a good and productive life. It's true. And the faster you see counseling, Mm -hmm. the better. When I used to see little children, I would see three- and four-year-olds 
who would have tantrums and be upset. And luckily their parents would bring them in and we would do the EMDR by tapping. And I'd have them just say what was on their mind. And they would tell me about bad dreams where they lost their mother or father and they never got them back and there was screaming. And turns out the mom and dad were talking about that kind of subject when they thought the child was asleep and couldn't hear. And so correcting that, we were able to correct it right away with not a lot of sessions. And those kids are doing well. They're going to graduate school now. They're all doing well with their lives. And it didn't take that long to help them get to the trauma and release the trauma and go on with their life. So I recommend parents and guardians, grandmothers, aunties, uncles, find a therapist immediately who can help their children immediately if you notice there's something wrong because kids will show you. A lot of kids wet their beds. Parents go, well, that's just what they do. No, there's an issue there. Not to make it a bad thing, but to really understand And a few sessions, maybe three sessions at the therapist, and they're done. They're not doing that anymore. They've worked through their traumas. They've worked through their nightmares. So, you know, the young man, I guess he's being held now for murder with his parents who supplied him the gun. They knew that there was something wrong with him. He begged them for help. He begged the school for help. Not only did nobody help him, but his parents bought him a gun for his birthday. I I just don't understand it. I am baffled by that behavior. And I believe they're being held for, I don't know the seriousness, but it's a murder charge. The parents are being held. Certainly. And I think that parents are responsible. I've always said the parent is the one who should be the first one questioned who go to jail. I mean, so many people, so many kids have been beaten in their head. And then we've got to try to help these people to think. Their language is interfered with, their self-esteem, their self-worth. And it takes time because I usually see these people as adults. And it's a long road. And our insurance companies don't want to pay for it. Our country doesn't want to admit it, and we would rather incarcerate them and make them bad when they're not really bad, they're injured. Dr. Amen, who does the spectrography of the brain, went into, I guess it was San Quentin, and he said two-thirds of the inmates there are head-injured people that needed treatment, two-thirds or more. They don't have a personality disorder. They have a head injury. They have a lack of impulse control, and they need treatment. So whenever we talk about treatment in the criminal justice system, they think that we're a bunch of pansies here, and there's a real sense of, I've got to send them to prison. I've got to punish. There's a real sense And all of that, I'm writing a book, not yet, but I started to write it for my dissertation and on the psychological 
social sadomasochism that is rampant in our society. This whole idea of punishment instead of treatment. Right. Well, we will look forward to that book, that it comes forth. That'll be really good insights. But let us think now of all this really critical information that you've shared with us this morning, Dr. Athens, that really is so important for our mental or emotional health, for being a really whole person able to live a good life, fulfill a purpose here on earth. And I hope that uh, that's really come shining through. It has for me. And I so appreciate that you're so passionate about this work and you can share all these insights with us so clearly. Well, thank you. I'm very passionate. I believe that everyone has talents and gifts and they've come here on earth to develop them and to contribute to society to allow society to get better, happier, easier, more interesting. And when children are thwarted and not helped, like this young man who begged, almost every one of these school shooters has begged for help. The school has not helped. The parents have not helped. And it's time to stop and help the children so that they can grow and also so that we are safer in our society. Exactly. So well put. And once again, I'm so grateful for you and this work that you're doing and look forward to where we're going to have a next chapter and and unfold some more thoughts and ideas. Well, thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate the opportunity. Thank you and wishing everyone happy holidays and blessings and to be peaceful and stay present. Wise words and sentiments to begin a brand new year.